Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Kim, I understand we're the number one on Apple Podcasts. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. We're right ahead of Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan, okay. Who's he play for? Yeah, pretty exciting. So, you know, we did a Twitter the other day, Dad, that your dogs got sprayed by skunks. Yep. And we had 1,300 people write in about how to, um, how to uh, get oh, yeah. rid of skunks. What was the best one? What was the best? Everyone seemed hydrogen peroxide, dish soap, and baking soda. Oh, that sounds pretty good. I, I think we, we didn't know that stuff. Baking soda and peroxide. Eh? Will you mix them together? Uh, yeah, it looks like you mix them together and wash the You're dogs. You're going to have to keep away from their eyes and that, everything I would imagine. I would think. But... I remember, I remember you and I were talking about one my blue, my first blue, the one you saw on uh, the opening, and that boy, oh boy, was she tough. She got, she got entangled with a skunk. It was so bad, the stuff, it wasn't sprayed on it, it was dripping off her. And I remember they fell down a, a well, like, you know, like, not a well, but you know. Like a window well. Window well down there. And, I, and it was unbelievable. And you talk about a skunk. Skunks are a pretty good size. This was a monster. And in fact, when I had to reach over and pull her out, this t- and I went down the basement to look at the skunk and it was trying to get through the window after me. It had not couldn't believe it. So, and it was so powerful, the, the smell was so powerful that it sprayed the do- a door that was steel, steel. And it p- took the paint. I never forget it, to peel the paint off. You could smell the outside of our, our house for a year out off from the road. It was, it was terrible. Anyhow, I, she, she's, uh, I remember it was dripping off her, literally dripping off her. And she was being sick to the front and being sick to the back, if you know what I mean. And I had a, I had a paper. I, I couldn't put towels because it was just too much. So I put towels. And I never forgot that I never forgot when I, I threw the towel away and I looked over and there she was. I mean, and she looked up, looked like a skunk coming up. You know, the wind got it. And she said, all right, that's number one. Let's go at it again. Boy, she was a tough dog. Yeah, I remember that. Like, it, the skunk, they, when they fell into the window well, it sprayed the screen, and it, oh, like, it instantly dissolved the screen. It that, that that didn't was, even smell like a skunk no, after it was, one. No, it was, it was beyond skunk. We had to throw out all our ice cube trays, all our plastic cups, because it was, you couldn't believe, like, as I say, it went beyond the skunk smell. It was just... I, Anyhow... Proxide and bacon soda, don't let it get in the eyes. That's, that's what they say. So, so we're going to talk a little bit about what's going around in the NHL. Well, so, I, I have to say something about uh, uh, Brendan Lemieux. I mean, uh, I, how how's how, Saturday night, how in the world do the Canadians be winning, five, you know, be, well, four nothing, four, four I think, nothing. four nothing, and they lose 6-5. Brendan Lemieux, he, I rem- he got two goals. He got six shots. Imagine he had six shots. This guy must have poured him right on there. And I remember, uh, who was he playing for? In, in uh, he, when he was uh, 15, he was playing for the Toronto Red Wings in the GTHL. And I remember his, his dad, Claude, and you and me, we used to have little fights going on all the time on TV and everything. And he was, he was the assistant coach. And I remember that game. I remember Brendan. He was, he plays just the same, banging around and smashing it. By the way, he's got a big black eye. For you people that saw him with the big black eye, that was fighting for Tom Wilson. So he doesn't pick on any lightweights. Right off the bat, he goes after Tom Wilson. 
you don't you don't push New York Rangers around anymore. And I remember that game, and uh, he, I mean, he got thrown out of the game, and so uh, hmm, he got thrown out of the game and everything. And the referees, I think, just wanted to get him out of the game. And who do I meet coming around with Claude? We would come around a corner, and boy, so I had to say something. Well, that was some penalty that that Brendan got, and he went in a tirade about the whole thing. But I'll tell you one thing, boy. I met him in. Um, I met him when he was with Winnipeg. I remember when he was playing for the Moosehead, and um, I remember Ron and I walked in the back, and we thought they were getting ready for the playoffs. <laughs> and the guy was taping the sticks and putting the bags, you know, and all that. He says, "No, we just got beat out of the playoffs." So I remember him, boy. He's going to. You're going to hear a lot more about Brendan Lemieux. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. He, he played just like his dad in, in the, when he was a minor midget. And so what else caught your eye, Dad? Well, I, I, let's, let's talk about Andy Frost. He must be so proud. Uh, Morgan, his son, got his first goal for the Flyers. And uh, imagine doing all the games with the Leafs, and, and he, uh, he got his first goal, how proud he must be. Jack Eichel for Buffalo. you got to admit, boy, he is, uh, I mean, a lot of guys would quit. He's a first-round draft choice, and, you know, he sees McDavid doing unbelievable and everything. He got a lot of goals, and I mean, you know, he has a great fight too. I mean, he dropped the gloves, you know, frustration, eh? That is, a, and he's so mad because the referee only gave him four minutes. I, it must be so bad. But McDavid, I mentioned McDavid. I mean, that yeah, come on, holy smokes! What has he got? Six games. He's got eighteen points. I mean, this guy is—he's the best hockey player in the wild. Crosby's out now, but you see this guy play. He dominates the game like Bobby Orr. I mean. You can't take your eyes off the guy. He plays reckless, though. He plays a reckless game. He, that's why he's so good. He does things that I never see anybody else doing. And, and um, Do you remember the first time we saw him? Yeah, I remember the first time we saw him. He's playing for Marley's. Yep. And he come up with, uh, who was the defenseman he come up with? Roland McEwen. They, they were, Connor would have been 13, and he was playing against 15-year-olds, and Roland was 14 playing against 15. And boy, were they dynamite. I said, and I remember he said, I think he got a couple of goals or something, one, three, two. I said, boy, we better keep our eye on that guy. Yeah. But he plays reckless, and I, I love the way he plays, and that's the way he is. And I, I mentioned it to Bobby Orr. I said, Bobby, plays something like you, reckless. And he says, can't change his style. That's the way he plays. So we're a quarter of the way through the season, which is hard to believe. And so far, they said there's... A lot of things have happened this year. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, so far, there's been 66 third-period comebacks, and a lot of those had the goalie pulled. When, when did you like pulling your goalie? You know, it's a funny thing. When, I, I, when it got around 1.30, I liked to have our goalie out by 1.30 if he was coming out. And, you know, but, you know, I see now Patrick Roy was the first guy, Patrick Waugh. We won't say Patrick Roy. Patrick Waugh, whatever it is. And... He was the guy when he was in uh, uh, he was in Colorado. He was the first guy to pull him. And if he was behind, I think he was pulling him at two minutes, two two and a half minutes. And if he was behind two goals, he he pulled the goalie with four minutes, which made sense. I think if I had to do over again now, I would have pulled a goalie at, at two about two minutes to go. And I, I I think that's the right time. You know what they do is what really makes me laugh is they get the puck, you know, dirt, you know, when the game's on and everything, and they get the and they fool around with the blue line, they fool around with the red line. But when they really want to score the goal, when they want to get, you know, they only got a minute and a half to go, they dump it in. You don't believe me? Watch the next game. As soon as they get the red line, they dump it in and then they go. That's the way we used to play all the time. So I, I, I if I had my chat, duthers to go, whatever they call it, 
I would go. I would pull a goalie about two minutes, and I would do what what Patrick Y did when he was behind two goals. He'd pull him with four minutes. I see where Patrick Kane is leading Chicago again. He's got eleven goals, and I remember the very first time on Hockey Night in Canada, we brought the we brought all the prospects. They had heavy duty prospects. They we came to uh, they came to the game in the morning, and they did us first. We did an interview, and then they met all the players. I think it was a good idea the way the NHL did it that uh, they meet all the stars and everything like that. And they went, they went in the dressing room. It was it was in the playoffs. But I remember the first time I saw him, I said, "What are they bringing us? What are they bringing one of the stick boys up?" He was the smallest guy I ever saw. But I saw boy, what a big heart that guy has. Every year he leads the league. You know, Tim, when I look back at last year. And I think of the big fight they had with, is he going to leave Columbus, Baboski? I think that's how you pronounce Baboski. it. Baboski. Something like that. And he was a goaltender. He was really good in Columbus. And who would have thought that Florida paid all that money for him, expecting, well, we don't have to worry about the goaltending. The Longos retired. We've got the Baboski, 8-8-2. Boy, that must kill them when they think of all the money they're paying. And, you know, we have to say one more thing about Marchand. I mean, this guy is unbelievable. I think he's got 13 goals. He's got 32 points. He's plus 11. But here's the best. He, he's got over 40 minutes in penalties. This guy is a – this guy, they call him the pest. He's more than a pest. He's a real hockey player. I think he, I think he should be up for the MVP. Washington's Garnet Hathaway, he got a three-game suspension for spitting at your buddy Eric Branson. I, I just can't believe a guy would spit. I mean, you've you got to be pretty mad to be spitting. I mean, that's a, I mean, I, I, you know, three games for, for spitting when you think a thing is going on, but you just don't do that in hockey. Yeah. And, uh, Did anybody, when you were, you've gotten a lot of fights, and anybody, you, nobody spit at you when you were in a fight? You know, I, I, I've been in a few fights, and uh, the, the, one of the ones I think, it was only one I, was, I really got clocked a few times around the eyes. This guy just scared me. But the one that really I, I always remembered it was fighting this guy, and he was on his, I, never, I don't know what happened. He was on his knees. I guess I knocked him down on his knees. And somehow or other, as I went to grab him, my thumb went in his mouth. And this guy was so terrified or so excited, he was grinding my, and he cut I could knew he was down to the bone, and he was so excited. I said, "I he's going to cut my he's going to he's going he's going to bite my thumb off." I mean, he was down to the bone, and it sounds terrible, but it's true. And I thought, well, I have to I have to I have to take the bull by the horns. I have to pull my thumb out along his teeth. Sounds terrible, doesn't it? And I said, well, if I don't, he's going to bite my thumb off. I pulled, and luckily for me, he had his teeth knocked out in the front. Boy, I tell you, once I got my hand out, I remember he had long hair, and they be, this was before you, they had the rule that you couldn't grab the hair. I grabbed him by the hair. He paid the price like that. But that's the one thing. But I never had anybody ever spit on me, and believe me, and, and I know he regrets that spitting. Uh, you get three games, you deserve it. You know, I, I have to say something about uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. I mean, I have to say something again about Anderson. I know not on television, but this guy is the best goaltender in the world. There is nobody that does as good as this guy. I mean, the Leafs won the game. Listen, I'm happy they win their second game. Uh, they had three shots on net, and then this guy bails them out. There's no no goaltender in the world has, has one-on-one, I call cold turkey shots like that, and he holds them in there. 
and he holds them in there. Then they score a goal. He, without a doubt, is the best goaltender in the world. There's no, no, no doubt about it, that one. You know, I, I'm looking about, I, when I look over the stats, I feel all the stats follow the Leafs pretty good because I'm a, a Leaf fan. Uh, I, one thing I have to, what he has to work on is Matthews. I know he's a golden boy and everything, but he has to work on the draws. I think he won one, one draw out of 10 or something like that. You cannot win constantly, and you will not win in the playoffs if unless you have the puck. Uh, he's got to win the. But I remember Keith. He wins his first game. You have to win. You're a coach. You have to win that first game because you get a good feel. Everybody gets a good feel. And I remember my very first game was in Buffalo, and you know the Stanley Cup champion finalist. And I have Jilly Gilbert in that. And I think well, we're not bad. We had a sort of a mediocre. A training camp. I, I, I could have had he could have had Mickey Mouse behind the bench the first year I was there. I didn't do a good job at all. So anyhow, I'm the, we're in Buffalo. We open up in Buffalo and we got hammered. I forget what it was. Eight, nine five. Nine five. Isn't that awful? And I, I just can't believe it. I'm stunned, and everybody's stunned. Nine guy. So I, for a fool, I used to sit behind the bus, uh, at the back of the bus. And I never did it again after this thing. And I heard Jillian, well, that is it. Uh, I am finished for the year, my average. And holy smokes, I'm a rookie rookie coach. And I and my goalie says, I'll see you later. And But we, we did on. We did all right. And they said, wait till the bell rings, Don. Wait till the bell rings. We'll be there. And the bell rang. And we were out. <laughs> Chicago put us out. But I tell you, boy. All that summer, the summer I when I was there, I had that that out by the who I think it was the who wasn't it? Don't won't get fooled again. Yeah, yeah. So I played that over and over and over again, and I remember we had a meeting. Uh, Harry Sin and I had a meeting. It was a little wee place, and he says, "Look, if you don't win," I said. He says, "We're both be gone. Use me as a heavy," and unfortunately, I used him as a pretty good heavy. And from then on, first place. And we were a tough team to play. We were the toughest team, maybe the toughest team in sports after that. But I ever, always remembered that first game, 9-5, to five, I thought my world is crashing down. So, Dad, like we were saying, we're going to be taking clips from the Grapevine shows. And one of the first guests I think we had was uh, Terry O'Reilly. And uh, he, was, he was, if there was a, uh, a guy who was a Bruin, that was Terry O'Reilly. With the name Terry O'Reilly... Uh, I think that's why they drafted him for all the Irish guys in South Boston because I remember when I was with Rochester Americans, I was coaching, and I, I saw this guy, the number one draft rate. He could not stand up. He literally was the worst skater I've ever seen in professional hockey. I remember falling down on the corner and everything. And then the next year I saw him, I, it was like a miracle. He could skate. Well, he was not a great skater, but he could, at least he could stand up, and boy, was he tough. And he went in the corners, you went in the corner with him, you paid the price. And all the players used to call him Taz, from the Tasmanian Devil. And let me tell you, I remember Peter McNabb, they asked Peter McDonald, he said, how do you play with Terry? He says, I don't know where he's going. It must be on the other club. I don't, we don't know where he's going, neither does the other club. And he was a tough guy to play against, boy. You go in the corner with Terry O'Reilly, you paid the price. But you know what? He's the only guy I could not get. To, to cover the points. I don't, don't ask me why. He wouldn't cover the points. And when he was on for a goal, 
when he was on for a goal, you you and he didn't cover the points that came from the points. You never ever conf- you never confronted him. Anyhow, he led us in the scoring. He led, not only that, he had 15 majors for fighting. And uh, yeah, that that was his best year. He had 29 goals, 61 assists. 90 points, and he was. I, I only think this happened a couple of times that he led the team in points and penalties, and he was plus 40. How what, what he was plus 40? Plus 40. Holy smokes, I didn't know he was that good. <laughs> Anyhow, I re- oh boy, I like, but you could not, you could not confront him when he made a mistake. You did not go in the dressing room like the rest of the guys, yeah, yeah, you know, give him the heck of it because if you did. You, he, I don't know. I, I never did it because I knew don't do it. But he, my big thing back then was cover the points. No shots from the points. I did not want shots from the point. But Terry, he wouldn't. He, he would not cover the point. And I remember, you know, he'd be in the corner shaking hands with the defenseman. The puck would go to his point in the net. So I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't want to confront him because I knew I'd be in deep trouble. So on the bench, he'd be on the bench. And, I, I, and this is how I do it. Well, the rest of us uh, cover the points, but not Terry. Terry knows more than the coach, and I go up and down like that. Yeah, Terry doesn't cover the points. Their goals will go in from the butt, and that's the way you do it because if you ever confronted him, look out. And a few, few years later, he told me, about 10 years later, he told me when I'd go into that act, I guess, I'd say, no, we cover the points, but not Terry. He said he used to take his gloves off, and he'd hold his pants. He didn't want to get up because he said, if I get up, I'm decking you right there. And he, I, I knew he would. But I knew how to handle this guy. He was the best. Terry O'Reilly, the Boston strong boy. So we have a clip of him talking about uh, coming up, Dan Maloney and what oh, yeah. he called Black Tuesdays. <laughs> you remember how he used to tap guys on the sh- This used to bug me more than anything. I first went there. He used to tap guys on the shoulder turn the guy around, let the guy take the first shot. He'd win, but we'd get an extra two minutes all the time. Do you remember how? I said, someday you're going to be sorry doing that. Do you remember what happened in L.A.? Dan Maloney clocked me. Boy, he, you know, I hit uh, Butch Goring. He's not a real big guy, but I, I hit him clean check as the whistle went. You know, Butch was cutting across the blue line. It was offside, and I smacked into him on the whistle. And uh, I thought nothing of it. You know, I didn't feel bad about the play. And I saw Dan Maloney skating towards me, and he was talking to me. And what he was saying was, you touch him, and I'm going to kill you. Well, I didn't know what he was saying. I, I leaned forward. <laughs> you know, what did I, you say? I, I said, oh, bang. <laughs> he, he rocked me. I, I, didn't, I couldn't see. You know, after the first one, he hit me right in the nose. And, well, <laughs> the swelling the tears, still hasn't gone down. <laughs> yeah, still hasn't improved. Yeah. Remember the tears rolling down. But I, I never forget that. After that, I had no problem with them uh, tapping guys in the sh- uh, shoulder. You know, when you, uh, when you practice, I always felt that when you went into practice for all the young guys, they asked me, how can the Bruins go? I always thought you set the pace all the time. Did you mean to do that or is it just natural? I never thought of that until you mentioned it. Uh, I always felt that going into a game, if I haven't worked my brains out in practice for, for two or three days before that, I never had a real good feeling going into the game. So working in hard in practice was very important. But the, uh, I think the thing that kept us going, the, the thing that gave us the stamina, and I don't know if you realize this or not, when you were coaching, remember what you called Black Tuesdays? I don't know if you called it that. We called it Black Tuesdays. We would play on the weekends. We'd play Saturday and Sunday, usually. 
And then Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday were practice days, and then we'd start again Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday. And so sometimes Monday would be an optional, depending on how we did on, on Saturday and Sunday. Then Tuesday would be Black Tuesday. And I mean, when you got off the ice, you, you're almost physically sick, you know, over and backs, ups and downs. And that's yeah. the, when we went into the game Thursday and started our weekly games, everybody on our team knew that we could go one step, like maybe it was just a psychological thing, but we knew that we could go one step further than the guy across from us because we'd worked harder during the week. You know, that was a pretty good version of, uh, of the fight and all that stuff that Terry told and everything. But this is how I remember it. I used to talk to him all the time, say, Terry, I don't mind you being fair, but quit tapping the guy on the shoulder because someday the guy's going to turn around and dr drill you. And so dun, 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 and he kept tapping guys on the shoulder. And one day he tapped another Irishman on the shoulder called Dan Maloney. And he didn't, he just turned around and clocked him like you couldn't believe. Broke, I broke his nose and blood's all over the place. And guys, guys didn't kid him, no saying because he, he grabbed you. Next game, this is how I remember it. Dan was in Detroit and he grabbed Dan and you couldn't believe the fight he had against Dan. It was... <laughs> it was 19 seconds into the game. Was it 19 seconds? 19 seconds I don't remember. Game. I All I remember is the fight. And he, 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 boy, he was a tough guy. I, I mean, you couldn't, as long as you didn't embarrass him, that was a big thing. If you were fair, you were fair. And I remember another time, there was a great big guy, I forget his name, he's a Polish guy or something like that, I forget his name. He grabbed Terry and he wouldn't fight, but he held both of his arms and he, it was embarrassing to watch them out that was there. It, that was in Atlanta. And it, it, was, yeah. it, it was a big, there was a big brawl at the end of the, at the end of the game. I've, or at the end of the period. I, rem I remember the, I rem the only thing I remember is Terry being embarrassed. And that's, you know. So the next time is in Boston. We played them about 10 days later. It was in Boston. And uh, this guy, I, and I knew Terry, never said anything. And this guy was cutting along our blue line. He cut into the trolley tracks, and Terry hit him. I mean, it was one of those crack. You could hear the crack. And I think, oh, boy. And the guy lay there, and he was in convulsions. I mean, the guy was in convulsions. So Terry is standing at the end of the at the end of the bench, our bench, just standing there, leaning on a stick, looking out at this guy flopping around and everything. And geez, I thought the guy was going to die or something like that. So I went down and I put my hand hand on Terry's shoulder and I said, Terry, I said, uh, don't worry, I think he's going to be all right. He very calmly he turned around and very quietly says, I really don't give a if he dies. <laughs> Got him like that. But I, one story you, t you tell is pretty funny. Was when uh, with uh, Dan Maloney, uh, there was a fight at Boston, and Dan used to wear a big helmet. Oh and yeah, it was right. He, there was a big fight right in front of the the Bruins bench. I I thought that this was funny, and it's the one time I really broke up on the bench. He Dan used to wear a great big big helmet, big bubble helmet. And if you wore a bubble helmet, I used to give you a trouble helmet all the time. I used to give you a hard time all the time. So he was, there was a fight right in front of our bench, like you said, and right up against the boards. And I, yeah, Dan, where are you? Big helmet. And, I'm, and he, reached, he very calmly turned to me while the fight is going on. Grapes, give it a rest. Well, I just, I just broke up. And I guess it was in the moment of truth on the bench, something like that happens. You just break up when something like that happens. So, Dad, in the clip, Terry talked about during practice 
that uh, on Tuesdays, the players used to call it Black Tuesday. So what he, he kind of went into a little bit of it, but what, go, what, what was a Black Tuesday? Well, I picked that up when I was playing from uh, Joe Crozier. Like, he'd give us a day off. And in the, in the, in the American Hockey League, when you played, you played uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and you give Monday off, but Tuesday you always paid the price. Nothing like the Bruins. I remember we used to go back and forth, back and forth, and then we do stops and starts, which they don't do anymore. You all get every, all the team gets at center ice, and the coach has a whistle, and he goes tweet, tweet, and they go back and forth, and they stop on both feet. No, they don't stop on one feet and turn back. Tweet, 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 and and it was. I mean, it black. They don't do that anymore. I see they don't do that anymore. But that black that stops and starts, and then they get on the side, and. I used to I, I, I did it so hard one day that uh, Donnie Marcotte, the best skater on the club, uh, I, I said, we can't do it anymore. Oh, and I have to tell you one more. When we used to get guys that came from other clubs, and uh, as you know, the rinks are oval, as they say, and the guys that wanted to cheat always got on the far end of the corner. <laughs> I, I used to go to them and said, who the you think you're kidding? I said, I used to do what you're doing. So the Black, black uh, Tuesdays, they paid, for the, paid the price, and I really didn't know that Terry felt that way or the players felt that way. I just knew they had to be driven. They had the day off. Now they're going to pay the price. Like how long would, you, how long would they go back and forth? I would say they'd go back and forth 15 to 20 minutes after, after practice. And, and, uh, so they would have a full practice. we have a full practice. We'd have the thing. I never had long practices. I'd only have uh, an hour and 10 minutes. And then they'd get on the side, and they knew what was coming. And I, the funny thing is, nobody ever complained. Nobody, you know, I, had a, I was pretty close to the guys. And I, I, same thing as when I was playing. I didn't mind being driven. I knew it was do. I knew it was for you, but you have to be driven. You can't when you're alone or doing that. You have to be driven like that. And but I remember the one thing I remember about that is Donnie Marcotte was at the end. Is we just can't go anymore. I remember was the bull game came to you and complained because you were they were going back and forth on the boards and they were stopping so much that it shaved the ice right down almost to the uh, almost to the cement. No, that, that was in the playoffs, and what happened was, Harry, I'd have the six guys that were black aces, as they say. I used to be on the ice with them. I used to be, and you know, there was another thing I used to do. I used to stay and stay on the ice with the uh, black aces, as they were called. They were the spares. They were the guys that were going to fill in, and I said, you're going to play your game in the morning, and we used to go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and they used to be dead. And then we'd go for lunch after, and I'd, I'd buy them lunch. And I was a great guy. I sound like a great guy. But anyhow, a letter, Harry showed me a letter from the league. And from, we were doing it so much back and forth that we shaved the ice down that they had to build it up. So we worked harder than anybody in the games, and we worked harder than anybody in practice. Well, Tim, uh, I guess they're going pretty good. What are we, number one? What was it? What was uh, it? Number one on Apple Podcasts. So we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Facebook, and soon to be YouTube. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't know that. Anyhow, next week, we're going to have King Clancy on, one of my favorites. I, I think they have the National Hockey League has a humanitarian award or something for King Clancy. I mean, he was a great guy. He was a little Irish guy. He was traded. I, we'll tell the whole story next week. But he tells the story of the time he was on the ice when Ace Bailey was almost killed 
by Eddie Shore. It was between Toronto and Boston. That will be interesting, I'll tell you. And also, I hear from people, and we've heard from people, they want to hear more from the Darth Vader of hockey, Eddie Shore. I'll tell some stories about Eddie Shore. I know you won't believe them, but it's true. 